Welcome to the Mind Matters Podcast. Welcome. We are so excited to be back. This is episode two. We are now in it. David and I have talked so much about this, and um, we are so excited that we are now actually doing this podcast. Yes. And uh, David is one of the hosts, David Adamson. He um, came to me years ago wanting to do a podcast or really wanting to just do a ministry, and then the podcast kind of flowed out right. from that. Right. Um, my name is Neil Salen. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Hill Baptist Church, and I, t- I guess technically the Mind Matters podcast is now part of the Calvary Hill uh, network of podcasts that we're trying to get going. Uh, let us tell you just a few reasons why this podcast. David and I hope to provide Christians non-Christians, obviously, we want them to listen to this as well, but we want to provide Christians with the encouragement and the resources necessary to love God with all of their minds. Yes, God has commanded for us to do that. And so often in Christian circles, we do not do a very good job of helping each other love God with our minds. Hmm. David and I believe the mind matters. Yes. We believe that matters of the mind should be dealt with like we deal with anything else in our lives, right? Any, mm-hmm. Anything else that makes up human nature, anything else that, that makes up the human condition, we believe we're supposed to um, get better at it. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to sanctify it. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to grow in it. And we're doing this podcast to help people grow emotionally and mentally and yeah. uh, obviously and, spiritually. Yeah, and we, we want people to know that if they're having issues with their mind, that it's normal. Right. In a broken world, as we said last time, right. it is normal in a broken world to have issues with your mind because no one would ever argue that it's not normal to have issues with your physical body. Yeah. And so when we have issues with our body, we say, oh, well, that's part of a broken world. That's normal. Yeah, that's normal. But when we have something with our mind, we say, you're crazy. Go right. get a straight jacket. It's like, and that's no, normal. Yeah, it's exactly. normal to have mental issues. Yeah, exactly. It's normal. Amen. Um, and so David had this great idea, and we, we want to do this in every uh, episode that we have. We're going to call it Mind Check, and uh, we could call it Emotional Check as well. But, <laughs> um, but it's going to be an opportunity for us to kind of get real with you um, and let you know kind of what we're bringing mentally and emotionally to the episode and what we're going with in our own lives. And we hope by sharing these things that um, we're kind of giving an example to you to be able to share with people absolutely, um, and do mind checks with other people as well. So David, why don't you go first? This was your idea. So I'll let you hit it. All right. So basically just letting you know what's going on with me. Um, I have been advancing more into ministry opportunities with preaching and teaching and I've absolutely loved it. You're doing a great job too. I appreciate it, man. I mean, it it is what I absolutely love to do. I have a passion Mm -hmm. for it. But with that, comes with my already predisposition of needing perfectionism, needing to be perfect at all times, needing to be the best I can be at all things. When I am, when I'm preaching and then when I go home and I'm sinning, mm. they, that starts to hit me hard. I start to right. think, well, now I'm not matching up with what I'm preaching. I'm not matching up yeah. with what I'm teaching. So lately I've been struggling with understanding that it is not my good works or good things that I do that qualify me to be a minister. It is, it is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It is the Holy Spirit in me that qualifies me. It is my identity being found in Jesus that gets me to be qualified. But I feel like 
when I preach one night and then I do like the exact opposite thing that I preach the next night, right. I'm thinking I just disqualified myself, which is ridiculous. It's almost yeah. as if I have some kind of badge that I earned because I preached really good and then I sin and then Jesus is like, nope, rip, and just rips it off me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, I'm disqualified, which makes no biblical sense whatsoever. Right. I'm only getting this from my mind and I understand that I got to fight this. Do you feel like, David, that, that when you sin or you struggle or you're tempted or you're battling something and maybe you've preached about it or maybe you're going to preach about it. Do you yeah. feel like then, um, do you feel the devil coming in or your flesh rising up to say, well, what right do you have to talk about this oh, yeah. since you're struggling with it or you're dealing oh, with yeah. it? Oh yeah. So many times in my head, I'm, I feel like my mind's telling me you need to just call Neil up and say, listen, I know I was going to preach about self-control, but bro, you have zero self-control. So you right. need to go tell Neil that and he better preach it instead. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. just ridiculous. Right. And like, what right do you have to teach on this right. when you haven't perfected it? Right. Right. Exactly. And, and if that was all of our attitudes, then you would call me and I'd be like, well, I can't teach on this. Uh, I'm going to call <laughs> Brother James and let, uh, yeah. let uh, another pastor just preach on this. Up the chain. Yeah. And, and, just as a someone who has done ministry a little bit longer, David, I just want to encourage you with this, man. The greatest gift you can give yourself is to put yourself on the same level with the people that mm -hmm. you're preaching to. Yeah. Yes, yes, as a preacher, as a pastor, we've got a, uh, a function that is different than everybody else, mm -hmm. but we're in the trenches with everybody else. Right. We, yeah. We're not up on a, some pedestal where we've got it figured out and nobody else does. When right. we come to preaching, basically what we're saying is, I'm preaching this message to the people that I love, and I'm in this with them. I'm right. battling and struggling right. and fighting this self-control, right? right. That, that I'm fighting this thing with them. Yeah. I haven't mastered it. Right. I'm um, preaching to myself. Yeah, I'm honestly. preaching to myself and, yeah. and never coming to a sermon thinking, I've mastered this. In fact, right. I heard, um, I think it was Charles Spurgeon say, if you feel like you've mastered the topic that you're preaching on, you've deceived yourself and you're not qualified to preach on it. Ooh, that's good. You know what I mean? That's good, yeah. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a late and 19th he century uh, Baptist pastor. Um, for myself, I have, I'm coming out of a very emotional, trying time. Um, We've had some issues in our family. wasn't related to Jessica and I, but Jessica and I have. Um, we were deeply involved in it, mm -hmm. and we've been there for people. We've we've been praying for people. We've been counseling people. We've been we've been very heavily involved in a certain situation, and it kind of um, a couple weeks ago it kind of came to a head. And mm -hmm. man, I was emotionally done. Yeah, like. I came home on a Wednesday night. Thank God you had preached for me that night because okay. I came home after that Wednesday night and I was drained. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine how bad I would have been if I would have had to preach that night too. So um, I'm, I thank you for that. Thanks for doing that. Hey, and no for problem, God man. sovereignly <laughs> working it out. Cause I came home and I mean, my emotional synapses were like fried. Mm. I, I just didn't have anything left. And yeah. um, one thing that I did that I used to not do, and it's a way of making, taking care of myself better, is I immediately went to Jessica and said, here's where I'm at, here's what I'm going through. I, I wouldn't have done that in the past because I would have mm. been tempted to, to be like, well, I can't tell her this because she'll think less of me. Right. right. Right? I can't tell her this because I'm her husband and I'm supposed to be the strong guy <laughs> that's always there and doing everything right and leading right. his family. And 
going to her is, is something that I have learned is really good for my mental health. And so mm. I, I went to her that night. And so we talked a little bit. I woke up the next morning and I was kind of in an emotional fog, shared that with her again. Um, and I'm, I'm coming out of, of that. Yeah. Um, that emotional fog didn't last long, but I've, yeah. I've had to do things over the last couple of weeks to make sure I'm taking care of myself, doing yeah. the, the, making sure I provide, you know, sabbaticals throughout the day, oh, yeah. sabbatical during the week to, um, Make call, sure that I'm resting myself. I yeah. call that extra self-care. That's, yeah. That's what you got to do in those times that you are got that brain fog when you're not thinking right, when you're not having it, when you're having these issues, you got to do something about it and you got to do some extra self-care, like do more than what you would normally do right. to make sure that your mind is healthy because yeah. that's an important time to start doing. Yeah. That. And that's a great point. Something I need to, to do better at is, is I, I do a good job now of, I've made routines of making sure I take care of myself, but I guess mm. in those more stressful, tense situations, um, doing extra care, right? Being like, okay, I need to right. add on some extra self care, right? And it may include calling up my counselor and being like, yeah. hey, I need to, yeah. to get into me. And speaking of counseling, <laughs> oh, that's what we're going to be talking segue. about today. Can you believe the segue? That's what we're going to be dealing with today. We're going to be talking about counseling. Um, David and I both have gone to counseling, go to counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an important topic that I think we need to address because if we are going to love God with all of our minds, we need to have a biblical Christian worldview about counseling that will benefit us. So thank you for joining us today for the second episode of the Mind Matters podcast. And uh, let's get into counseling and Christian counseling. Let's do it. When it comes to Christian counseling, there have been there has been a debate for a long time that if Christian counsel if Christians need counseling, mm-hmm. should he or she go to his pastor, right, or a therapist? Is it unbiblical to go to a therapist? Many have feared. I mean, if you go to a therapist, you are trusting in the wisdom of a man and not God, and they're therefore sitting. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So I just want to take a section of this episode to discuss this issue. Mm -hmm. So there are many different theories of counseling from Christians, but I want to discuss the big three. And not just this is the theories in among Christians. Yes. Counseling, not not even just the world's different. These are just three theories of how Christians view counseling. Yes, I think it's important. So we got the first one being the biblical only counseling. Second one is science only counseling. And third was integration counseling. So let's start with the first one. The first one being biblical-only counseling. This is the belief that psychologists are using only worldly wisdom and therefore can be no help to the Christian because mm. they're not using the Bible. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we must only seek the advice from a pastor who speaks truth through the Bible. Mm. Not all, but many who believe the Bible-only counseling also believe every issue is a spiritual or sin issue. Mm. And it must be given to God in prayer that He can heal you if He wishes. Otherwise, if God chooses not to get rid of it, then it's just your cross to bear. It's something that you need to bear in your life and, and do it in the name of Jesus. And if you try to escape it by doing medication or seeking counseling from a therapist, it's as if you're trying to walk out of the will of God. Mm-hmm. And they're saying how dangerous that is to yeah. not do that. So, so would they say that depression, sin issue, anxiety, sin issue, um, bipolar, sin issue, mm-hmm. um, Disassociative identity disorder, sin issue, yeah, yeah. Um, whatever it may be, th- this view they do they take the view that all of that is sin, 
And the way to deal with it is just to get more spiritual with Jesus. Just love yes. Jesus more. Yes. Pray. Okay. Pray. I mean, some may even go as far as say, pray it away. Pray it I away. I mean, some would just say, you you just. But but most people are not that extreme. Most of them are just saying, listen, like this is just something that Jesus can help you through. Are you going to deny the power of the gospel? Is how is how they right. would argue that. And then maybe you and your pastor could sit down and he could show you some verses that you didn't know. Right. That you could believe, and then by believing those verses that maybe you didn't believe before, that somehow those mentally emotional right. issues would would dissipate. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, there are some things I like about it. I mean, I love that they believe our ultimate help is from the Bible Absolutely. and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We yes. say yes and amen to right. that. Um, we do have issues because of sin in this broken world. I mean, mm-hmm. that's absolutely true. Right. Also, I love that they say go to your pastor first. I think that's important to go to your pastor first. Yeah, why, why, you, do you, why do you think that's so important? Well, because you don't know exactly what the problem is. You, okay. Maybe it is just a spiritual issue that yeah. you need to pray something, you know, pray through it, um, or just seek counsel from a pastor. Right. It's, but, not, it's not a chemical depression, right? Or or chemical anxiety issue. Right. You, you're just you've been afraid of something. Yes, they call that situational depression okay, or yeah. situational anxiety. Right. You, you could be anxious or depressed because of a situation yes. that's been brought to your life. Right. Therefore, and we don't want to put you on medicine right now. We right. don't want to. No. Yeah. No. That most likely it is just something that you need to work with someone. Yeah. Work through your pastor. Work through friends and family. Work on that. Right. Yeah. And, and through, through the power and, of the and Holy your Spirit. pastor then could recognize. Also, maybe there's something like bigger going on. Right. Right. You know, they might see something that's bigger going on. And if that's the case, I would hope that the pastor is humble enough to say, this is above me. Yeah. I need you to go see a counselor. Like, I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't help you here. This <laughs> yeah, is too big know, for me. I don't me. know what to okay. do here. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Also love, uh, here's what I, here's what I have to disagree with. Okay. While I agree that the Bible has the ultimate truth and can help, mm-hmm. I do not believe it is our only help. Right. Okay. So it is a help and it is, right. it has ultimate truths in it. But I don't think it's our only help to get those. An- well, it doesn't touch truths. on everything. Yes, it doesn't. Touch I mean, the on Bible doesn't. Fact. The Bible doesn't tell you uh, how much medicine to take for a headache. Right. The Bible doesn't tell you, you know, um, what to do when you break your arm. Right. Right. Exactly. So we go to expertise of people who have studied that and then know what's right. the best thing to do. Right. So going to the Bible for every answer for those things, um, it's not why the Bible is given. Yes, and I mean, right. and, I, and I would argue that you know Jesus is truly our ultimate help, and I think He's big enough to be found in multiple things. I think mm. Jesus can be found in doctors, yeah. in medication, in counseling, because those are gifts from God. Those are right. gifts from Jesus to us, and I believe He expects us to use them. Yes. Also, yes. I think it's important to distinguish. Uh, just wanted to say real quick that it's important to distinguish between blatant sin that you are committing and someone feeling the effects of sin without them actually sinning. Okay, explain that. What do you mean by that? So what I mean is that when I feel anxiety, I'm not sinning. Right. Okay? Some may tell you that you're sinning. They may say that you're not trusting God enough, and therefore you are in sin. But I think about, what about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Mm. Was he not anxious, Neil? Yeah, yeah. And he he wasn't sinning by getting anxious. Obviously, he was not sinning. But he was sweating drops of blood, which has been said by doctors, possible if if your sweat pours pop... They may bleed out under the of most sweat. extreme. Yes, the most extreme anxiety. stress and anxiety. Yes. Right. So Jesus had great anxiety, but he did not sin on right. that moment. Of course Obviously, not. the sin comes from how you handle the anxiety. If right. you handle it incorrectly, then you're sinning. Okay. Right. So where do you take your anxieties? 
The Bible says to cast all your cares on Jesus because he cares for you. When, when we decide to not trust God and take everything on ourselves, mm-hmm. that's when we fall into sin. Yeah, and that, that, that is so important. What he just said, guys, is so important. The moment sin comes is when the anxiety or the, the depressive thoughts or mm. whatever it may be, mm. when those things arise, those mental, emotional issues arise, and we turn them inward and try only to deal with them ourselves mm. and not cast them to Jesus or not recognize that we need to, to pursue Christ in this right now. Right. That's where the sin comes. Right. That's very, very important. Jesus went to the Father with his anxiety in the garden. I was about to say, think about how he ended his prayer when he casted his cares to his Father, saying, please take this cup from me. If there's any chance that I don't have to go through this, I don't want to go through it. But he says at the end, not my will, Mm -hmm. your will be done. That should be the end of all our prayers. Whenever we are coming before the Lord saying, Lord, I am depressed. Lord, I am anxious. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm having a panic attack. I don't know what to do with this right now. Right. You say in the moment, I don't know how to feel better, but I know that I can trust you that you're taking care of me. Right. I know that you're with me. Yeah. And, and just as a side note, for those of you that can't see David right now, you can always tell when somebody has had panic attacks and anxiety attacks before, because when they are talking about the anxiety and the panic attacks, they actually start doing in their body what their body does during the <laughs> panic anxiety attacks. So David, David, his arms kind of start shaking, his shoulders kind of go up. It's true. And I'm like, yeah, that's what a panic attack looks like. David, he, you know, so you can always tell when people, when they're talking about anxiety and depression, you can always tell the people that have really battled it before because they know what the physicality looks like of it. I think my brain's telling me, wait a minute, are we supposed to be on, are we supposed to be trying to defend ourselves? What are, yeah. what are we doing? But, that, but I think what you said is great, man. The, yeah. The, how, G, what Jesus does with that anxiety is, is the dividing line That's of sin or yes. not sin. You can't help how you feel. Exactly. You cannot help it. It's what you do with that afterwards that matters. Yes. That's, that's very, very important uh, for us to understand moving yeah. forward. And, and, and also, I said earlier that they believe all issues are spiritual issues. And if you tuned into our last episode, I said that I believe all issues are both spiritual and physical. Right. I mean, why can't they be both? I mean, I think all issues are always spiritual. Sure. But rarely is it only, only spiritual. spiritual. Yes. Like, yeah, that, that's great. Yes. Every issue is spiritual, but every issue is not only spiritual. Right. right. That's a wonderful, wonderful principle yeah, right there. Yeah, because, I mean, Jesus made the world where spiritual and physical go hand in hand. Yep. They this totally is why it. we are doers of the word and not hearers only, right? Yeah. Because physical things matter the too. The physical matters. We are not Gnostics. The yes. physical matters. Yes. So speaking of physical matters, this leads me to the second theory, science-only counseling mm. theory. This is Christian science, uh, Christian psychologists, Christian psychiatrists, that they say that the science-only counseling theory says the Bible has no place in mental and physical matters. Mm. They, too, separate the physical and the spiritual. Right. And I only put emphasis on Christian psychologists and psychiatrists because I don't want people to think that this is only a secular uh, psychologist that would think this. These are Christian ones, too. This is just what they think, how it should be done. Right. Uh, They think all these issues are found through different therapies and medications, and your spiritual walk can be helped by pastors. Mm -hmm. And what I like and dislike is the exact opposite of the Bible-only people. I like that they say medication can be helpful and counseling through different methods can be helpful. Right. What I don't like is that they deny that these are spiritual issues at all. Mm -hmm. They think the Bible is basically for spiritual salvation only and psychology is for physical salvation. And Mm -hmm. that's simply not true. Yeah, that's a dualistic approach that 
um, I think is not helpful to people. Yes. Um, and in case you're wondering where we stand on this, <laughs> I think we're giving ourselves away here. Right. Um, but that dualistic approach that the first two that you've already mentioned do, separating the spiritual and physical, again, I think in the end, it will do more damage than it can ever help anybody. One thing I've learned in life, Neil, more and more is how extremes get you into trouble. Yeah, absolutely. One, There's always one string extreme on one side or the yep. other. And I've noticed that it seems to be the answer is always found in balance. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and absolutely. so just like with that, with this, I find the balance being the answer. Integration therapy. Yeah. And that's the third one, right? Yes. That is the third one. So the integration therapy theory says this integration, both spiritual and physical aspects to why we act the way that we do. Mm -hmm. It understands that the gospel is the ultimate answer for our problems because the ultimate reason for all our problems is sin. Yeah. I I hope that y'all just heard what he said. This theory integrates both the spiritual and the physical aspects together. Yes. The physical is spiritual. Yes. And so we, we need both scripture yes. and, and they're, science. They're both broken by sin. Our mental and our physical are both broken yeah. by sin. However, what does that practically look like? Mm-hmm. I believe the gospel infiltrates theories of therapy. Yeah. For example, let me, let me talk about CBT. That stands for Cognitive Behavior Therapy. It, it, that is about trying to figure out why you do the habitual things you do. Why do I do the things I do? Exactly. <laughs> Which it seems like the number one question of all humanity. Absolutely. I, I that's what we're always asking. And you could just say spiritual answer, sin. Now we're done. Boom. Now we're done. Yeah. Right. But it's Christian it's counseling goes further than that. Yes. That, that's just not practical. What, why do you decide to behave a certain way in a certain situation and not in other situations mm-hmm. and so on? Right. Sometimes you might be doing something over and over that's bad for you, mainly because you've built a habit for it. Right. Now, it, it doesn't take away the fact that it's sin. Right. But instead of memorizing scriptures to fight a bad habit, as the Bible-only people would say, maybe you need to fight this sin by working in new habits and retrain your brain how to behave in trigger situations. When I went to counseling for the first time, I came in as a pastor. I'd already been a pastor for about 13 years at the moment. My Christian counselor had never been a pastor. I walked in and one of the first things he said to me, it wasn't the first day because the first day I was just, he was just trying to encourage me, right? But when we came in to do the hard work, he said to me, Neil, I'm not going to quote you Bible verses in here. <laughs> he said, you're the pastor. Right. You already know the Bible verses. Right. You already... He said, you're going to be able to tell me what the Bible says about these issues immediately. Mm. He said, what your issue is, is not that you don't believe the Bible. It's Mm. not that you don't love Jesus. It is that you have neuropathways in your brain. I was coming in for anxiety. Yeah. He said, you're born with some, some you create. This is the imagery that I, I have always thought about when it came to neuropathways. My brain is like a forest. Mm-hmm. I was born with some paths through that forest already being there. Right. Okay. It's the reason why we get to walk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because we've yeah. already, we're already born with some of them. Right. But some we create. And I had created other pathways through the forest of my mind that were not good for me. Mm. Going down those paths was a bad idea for me. Mm. And I had been going down those paths so long that it was by its default where I would go. Mm. So one of my kids would get sick, I'd have them dead in yep. minutes. Exactly. 
my anxiety would go up. My stomach would get all messed up. I would become nauseous. I would, because I had gone down the path that I had always gone down. Mm. That neuro pathway through the forest always led to bad things for me. Yeah. He told me what we've got to do is we've got to begin creating new neuro pathways. Right. New ways right. through the forest that's better for you. Right. And so what I begin to do is I begin stopping myself from going down the path that I knew was bad for me. Mm. Right? Kid would get sick. I would stop myself. Okay, and stop. What's the rational, logical you know, thing I had to do. Right. For a while, I had to pour it all out to Jessica so right. that she could sometimes even laugh at me for how crazy my, <laughs> my thoughts were. You need that sometimes. Absolutely. I know I do. And, and what I've done instead is through the hard work, I got a machete out and I began mm. hacking away at a better path. Right. And then right. I got a weed eater and I began weed eating down the path. Then yeah. I got a lawnmower and I came through and now I've been mm. driving my truck over that path over and, and I'm creating a new default. Yes. And I think that's what you're saying here. Yes, what exactly. cognitive behavioral therapy does is it recognizes that there are paths you go down that are not good for you mm -hmm. spiritually. Mm -hmm. There are, there are brain, there, there are ways that your brain works. That's not good for you. Right. And if you want to love God better and love people better, we need to get you on a better path inside your right. brain. Right. Because so it's integrating those two together. Exactly. Because maybe you can just memorize scripture and say that scripture and that prevents you from that sin. God right. bless you if you Absolutely. can. Absolutely. I'm just calling out for the people like me yep. where that's not helping. I say it over and over and it, for some reason it's not infiltrating my mind. And I think it's because we have the truth of scripture trying to get into a new path that I haven't created. Right. And so now it's difficult for work it to on find its way through. Yeah. Make that path and sh that, that scripture is going to go straight through. Well, and I would even argue, I would argue this, you, your brain isn't processing those scriptures be right. because you're on a path you shouldn't be. Exactly. That's like, good. so, yeah. it, so one of my kids gets sick. I have them dying. My emotions don't know that that's not real. Right. So the reason why my anxiety rises up is because my emotions think one of my kids is dying. Right. Once I've headed down that path, you can quote me all the scriptures you want to. Mm. I can't process them. Right. I can't meditate on them. I can't think about them. I right. can't believe them because I am down a path in my mind that is really bad. Yes. So what I want to do is create a new path so that when those things happen, I'm on a path that can process the scripture, mm. that can actually mm. bring in and meditate on what God's word says yes. down a better pathway than the ones that lead me to yes. further and further anxiety and depression and, and down that road. And so that's what the the integration approach here will accomplish, right. right? It's bringing those together. Right. And and with these therapies, I mean, they, they are, there's so many of them. And I think sure. they could be so helpful for different situations, different illnesses, different issues. However, I cannot emphasize enough on how, when you take this process of counseling, you are a hundred percent relying on the spirit. Absolutely. I mean, you are trusting him to help you. I'm not depending on these therapy methods right. completely. I, I'm depending on the Holy Spirit to work through these yeah. therapy methods. They're just a means. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're a means to God helping you yes. and getting you where you need to go. Yes. And, and you said this earlier, and I think it's very important. You said, I believe the gospel infiltrates yes. these areas. Yes. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ infiltrating all the areas of our life right. and redeeming things 
Cognitive behavioral therapy, the person that developed that may not have a clue about Jesus. I don't think he did. Uh, Carl Jung, I believe his name was. The gospel grabs that, Mm -hmm. redeems that for the glory of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And now that is going to help keep our focus on God as the ultimate healer in our lives. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So let let me sum it up real quick. Okay, yeah. I believe God gave us gifts of his word, Mm -hmm. of, of, of his word, pastors, and wise friends. Right. And he also gifted us with medication, therapists, counselors, and so on. Therefore, in my mind, I would be a fool not to take advantage of all that sure. God has given me to yeah. keep my mind healthy. Yeah. The gospel is the ultimate answer for everything, but the gospel can be found in practical things like counseling because the gospel infiltrates every area of your life. It is part of that redeeming value that mm-hmm. you were talking about. And I would argue that the Bible actually demands that you utilize counseling. Yes. Um, and that's where I want to turn to next. Let, let's go next to talking about the biblical case for counseling. Now, I think because of the language that gets used about counseling, language like psychotherapy, psychoanalysis, it has given people, and more specifically Christians, the wrong impression. I know so many people in my life who have a diversion to professional counseling because they think if you go to counseling, you're admitting you're crazy or you're mental right. and that the white coats need to come in. Right. Um, their minds go to the most extreme example. Yeah. Of course, there are extreme cases, and extreme cases have extreme measures that you got to take. But let me say this, and let me make it very, very clear. Most people who go to counseling and take medicine for mental issues are not crazy. No. You're listening to two of them right now. Yes. We are not mental and crazy and need to be locked up somewhere because we can't function. Mm. We have mental health issues, but we are not crazy. You... Needing mental help doesn't mean you're crazy. It means you're a human. I guarantee. (laughs) Exactly. I guarantee no matter how mentally healthy you actually are, you could still benefit from counseling. Yeah. Because we're in a broken world. Yeah. I say, I'd say everybody needs to go to counseling. Everyone. Now, we're in a, a, a broken world because of sin. And this broken world means that our minds are broken as well. Listen to this very carefully. The best of us have broken minds. Amen. Think of a person in your mind right now who you would say has great mental health. That person has a broken mind. Yes. And we must actively try to redeem our minds, get them as healthy as we can until Jesus comes back and he finishes the job. Right. So what I want to do is I want to point out a few observations from Scripture that can help us and encourage us not to view professional counseling as some boogeyman um, and it meaning that you're crazy. Number one, the Bible guides us to receive counseling. I'm going to read you five Proverbs, and I'm going to give you an example. The book of Proverbs, which we know is all about wisdom, starts off in chapter one, verse five. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain counsel. A wise person who is trying to hear and grow in learning gets counsel. Mm. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where there is no counsel, 
a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. 1920, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. 20, verse 5, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. 27, 9, the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. The example that I want to give is found in Exodus chapter 18. So I think, David, we can see from Proverbs right there, yeah. God expects us to get counsel. Yes. God, yes. Is, God is basically saying, if you've got any wisdom at all, you're going to be seeking counsel from yes. people. In fact, you can find safety in it. Yes. According to 1114. I thought that was a very interesting word. Finding an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Right. You're safe there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Exodus chapter 18, Moses is has been leading the people of Israel, mm-hmm. and he has worn himself out doing it. He has worn himself out mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, trying to take care of these people. You know, you talked a while ago, you know, in the, the mind check section, you were talking about how the more responsibilities you have had to teach and preach and, mm. and lead Bible studies and stuff, the more pressure you have felt and yeah. the more responsibility. You, well, imagine being the only one, Moses, in charge of over a million people. Nah, nah, I'll pass. He's struggling. Yeah. His father-in-law, Jethro, sees that he's struggling. Mm. And he comes to him. And, and he says some very important words in Exodus 18, 17 through 20. Listen to Jethro's words. First, he says, what you are doing is not good. Mm. Isn't that just some great counsel? Yeah. yeah. Somebody who will say to you, the way you're doing this, how you're thinking about this, the approach that you're taking, the action, it's not good. This ain't working. I know how you want this to work. Right. It's not working and like that. And it's not working. Then he says in verse 18, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. Mm. Think about just that phrase. He says, you, Moses, are killing yourself. Like you can't do this. This is horrible for you. Right. And guess what? It's horrible for the people too. Right. You're of no good to the people right. if you're worn out. Yeah. You're going to wear out the people as well. Yeah. For this thing is too heavy for you, he says. Mm. You are not able to do it alone. You can't do this the way you've been doing it. And then he says this, now obey my voice. I will give you counsel and God be with you. Did uh, Jethro just set up counseling sessions with Moses? (laughs) Yeah, I think Jethro (laughs) just basically said, we're going to meet together every Tuesday at four o'clock. You (laughs) and I, Moses, we're going to sit down and we're going to come up with a better way of doing this. And, and, you know, we're being a little tongue in cheek there, but that's, that is what yes, they did. Yes. They sat down together and Jethro said, here's what you've been doing. Here's why it's bad and not good. Right. I'm going to give you counsel on how to do this better. Yes. So that it's better for you mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and physically, and it's better for the people. Yes. And he's and, coming from a fresh mind, looking outside in. Yeah. And he's able to observe what Moses, who's being very narrow right now, only thinking about what he thinks he needs to do, and it's obviously not working. And so Jethro's coming to say, bro, look, I can see what's going on. And what you're wanting to happen is not happening the way you want it to and happen. And that is what counseling is. Yes. Not just not just professional counseling, but the idea of biblical counseling, period. It is somebody who's not deep in the situation, mm-hmm. coming at the situation and saying, let me give you a perspective on this situation that you're not seeing because you're too deep. Right. 
this is too heavy for you right now. Let me give you a little bit more uh, uh, insight that you can't see. Right. And so we, and we could go on demonstrating uh, other verses about seeking counsel and seeking wisdom from other people. But I just wanted you to see from the Old Testament, Proverbs, the scriptures in Proverbs, and then an Old Testament example. Next, what I want to do is I want to discuss how biblical exhortation carries the idea of counseling. So we're going to move to the New Testament for this. The word exhortation in the New Testament, I, I think most people, what, what David, what do most people think about when they hear the word exhortation? They think about praising, about encouraging, about comforting. Right. Yeah, all, that's what I think. Lifting somebody up. Or, yeah, yeah. And so many times that's, that's what people think that is all there is to it, right? right? That that's what exhortation is. But, but let me give you the biblical concept here. Number one, the word means to make a call that is close up and personal. Mm. Now, isn't that what Jethro did? Mm, yeah, that's exactly what he did. He saw what was going on, and then he got close and personal with Moses. And he said, Moses, I need to give you some exhortation. Mm. I need to give you some counsel. That's what the word literally means. The concepts that go with that word are comfort, encouragement, help, and counsel. Hmm. So New Testament biblical exhortation is comforting, encouraging, helping, and counseling your brother and sister in Christ. Hmm. There are numerous texts in the Bible that tell Christians that we are to exhort one another. All Christians are supposed to exhort one another. Hmm. 1 Thessalonians 3.2 says this, Paul says, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and or exhort you in your faith. 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul writing to Timothy now says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Titus 2.15, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Hebrews 12.5, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he reproves you. Hebrews 13.22, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. So, we see just from those scriptures, and there are a lot more in the New Testament, that Christians are supposed to be exhorting other Christians. Mm. So we don't have the word counsel um, being used in the New Testament, but we have the word exhortation, which carries the idea of comfort, encouragement, help, and counsel. Right. We are supposed to be counseling from God's word. We're supposed to be counseling, giving good insight to people. And that is all wrapped up in the New Testament idea of exhortation that all brothers and sisters in Christ are supposed to be doing. If I see something in your life that is not good for you, I'm supposed to come close up and personal to you. And I'm supposed to comfort, help, encourage, and counsel you, David, in order to, for you to better be able to live your life for Jesus. Mm. Yeah, because you look at Hebrews 12.5 again, where it said... My son, do, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. That's counsel. Right. And I just like us, isn't have you forgotten the exhortation? You could change that to the counsel that Absolutely. addresses to you as sons, not 
Have you forgotten the lifting up and in, in praise that I gave you? Right. Because that quote is not lifting it wouldn't up work. praise. Yeah. No. no. Right. It's, it's Exhortation there, like you said, there it's carrying the concept of counsel. Yes. It's not yes. comfort, right? right. Uh, it, it is help. Right. It's not right. really encouragement in the sense of like praising you and encouraging yeah. you, like you said. Yeah. Um, and this is something everybody's supposed to do. Yes. However, in Romans chapter 12, Romans 12 gives us a deeper insight into exhortation. Here's what Romans 12 verse 4 starts off and says. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace God has given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Hmm. So here we see that exhortation is a spiritual gift. So yes, everyone's supposed to be exhorting, but there are some people that God has given a spiritual gift to. He has enabled them with the ability to exhort in a way that not everybody else can do. Yeah, see, I always thought that the gift of exhortation was just the gift of being able to praise someone when they know that they need praise. Right. And they come up there, which is interesting because if you if you praise someone for how good they're praising at someone, I mean, it just kind of goes, right. goes into, I'm praising you for praising people. Right. I, I never knew that there was more to that word. Now it makes so much more sense. Right. It's a spiritual gift that you're able to have that wisdom to counsel someone mm -hmm. in the will of the Lord. It is a special ability to comfort, encourage, help, and counsel. Yes. Here is what Peter Wagner, Peter Wagner has written um, pretty heavily on spiritual gifts. Here's how he defines the gift of exhortation. The special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to minister words of comfort, consolation, encouragement, and counsel to other members of the body in such a way that they feel helped and healed. Mm. So there are those who are called out of the body of Christ for this specific ministry. And just as in all the gifts, they are to be honed, they are to be worked on, they are to be trained. You're supposed to get as good as you can in the gift that God has given you. Yes. So there are people with the gift of exhortation that then are to train themselves in this gift to be better at it. Yes. Because I love how he says helped and healed because mm -hmm. that's the goal in counseling. Just right. like it, that's the goal when you go to the doctor, you want right. to get healed. When you go to get counseling, you want your mind to get healed right. through all these different therapy concepts or whatever else. Right. It's just a beautiful thing. So here's, here's what I would argue, David. I would argue that what we have in Christian counselors, Christian therapists, mm -hmm. what we have, these are followers of Jesus who feel they have the gift of exhortation. Now, they may not call it that. Right. They may say, I just felt called to help people in this way. Right. I just felt called or I had a special way of being able to relate to people and talk mm -hmm. to people and I, or I had this passion in me. Or this natural wisdom yes. to just know what people need. That is the spiritual gift of exhortation. Yeah. And what professional counselors have done is they have spent their lives training, mm. honing, working on becoming the best at this gift that they can be. Yes. 
So we have, number one, a biblical, the Bible tells us that we are to receive counseling. Mm -hmm. Then we know, well, biblical counseling carries the, uh, biblical exhortation carries the idea of counseling. Mm. And now we have people who have the gift of exhortation or the gift of counseling in this unique way. Right. And then lastly, number three, counseling is about Jesus and his church. We are to live our lives for the glory of God. We are to magnify Jesus to the world. Mm. However, we are not called to do this alone. We are to do this together in a community with the church. Yes. When someone recognizes that they need Christian counseling, what they are admitting is that I need the help of the body of Christ to get me healthier so that I can honor Jesus better. Yes. I would argue that the, the most healthy churches out there are the ones that are, can be able to declare together as a body, we're very unhealthy in the mind. Yeah. Because we need Jesus yeah. and we need to seek help. We need to right. seek counseling. And so when you are recognizing that and you go to a Christian counselor, you are saying, I need to get better so that I can glorify God better. Yes. I need to get better so that I can edify the church better. Right. And I can tell you, David, and I, I know you can speak from experience too. When I am not healthy mentally, I can't love my wife like I should. No. I can't love my kids like I should. No. I can't pastor like I should. I desperately need my mental health to be growing so that I can glorify God and love people right. better. Otherwise, you'll be like Moses with, with Jethro, and you're saying you're doing no good. You're, you're, you're being spent. You're, you're out. You're done. Right. You, need, you need help. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength yes. so that you can love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. I love this definition of mental health uh, from the foundation of Christian counseling it says mental health from a Christian perspective is a state of dynamic equilibrium characterized by hope, joy, and peace. Isn't that what we want? Yeah. Hope, joy, and peace mm. in which positive self-regard is developed through love, relationships, forgiveness, meaning, and purpose resulting from a vital relationship with Jesus Christ and a responsible interdependence with others. Mm. Through a relationship with Jesus and his church, Christian counseling is designed to help the child of God by bringing love, hope, joy, and peace in their lives in order that they may glorify God more and minister to the church better. Yes. Let, me let me read those, th those sentences again. Through a relationship with Jesus and his church, Christian counseling is designed to help the child of God by bringing love, hope, joy, and peace in their lives in order that they may glorify God more and minister to his church better. If you want to know why we believe in the integrative approach, the, the, the integrative theory of bringing science and spiritual together by bringing the spiritual and the physical together is because we want people to be full of love, joy, hope, and peace in their mind. Yes. And, and so that their lives could then be used up better to glorify God and his church. That's bringing yes. the two together. Because it is okay to not be okay. If you were okay, you wouldn't need Jesus. Right. And we do need Jesus. So right. it is perfectly okay to not be okay. Therefore, you seek help through the church. You seek help through Jesus. You seek help through counseling. 
reach out to us. If you have more yes. questions about this please. issue, please reach out to us. We we wanted just in this episode to lay out some very important foundational things about counseling, encouraging people to go seek it out. We've got counselors that we could refer you to, yeah. people we could send you to. So please reach out to us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, you, you can reach out through the website of our church, calvary-hill.org. And so please um, reach out to us. And, and thank you for sticking with us throughout yes. this entire episode. Um, please like, share, review, subscribe, all the good stuff that you can do with uh, all of our socials and on the, the different uh, podcast platforms that we are on. We love you guys, and yes. uh, we will be praying for you. Pray for us as we continue to uh, integrate the spiritual and the physical together and believing that the mind matters. Thank you.